0: G'day guys and welcome to the Change Your Lanes High Performance Coaching and Mentoring Podcast. Change your lanes by getting the balance right between emotional intelligence, fitness and health and your own personal development. Guys, today I'm super excited to have on the podcast with me Dr. Nicholas Gill. Uh, He is a professional strength and conditioning coach and consultant um, who has been in the industry for a very, very long time, working with different codes. But more famously with the the All Blacks from New Zealand uh, for over 11 years, and that um, that includes two World Clubs and a, probably a few bit more now. 120 wins to your name there, Nick. So um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Nico, we met up in Sydney, uh, as I mentioned before we got on the call, um, and that was a wonderful presentation that you did on, on um, performing at the World Stage um, with the All Blacks. And, you know, it, um, it was great to see you there amongst the other international coaches Mate, without going too much into detail of of, of your whole resume, which which is outstanding, may, may I add, if we could just sort of let the listeners know um, exactly where it all started for you, mate. When when did you wake up one morning and you decided, okay, i want to become a, a strength and conditioning coach, and then you know maybe one day I take uh, take the helm with the All Blacks. Yeah, it's a,
1: it's a it's an interesting story or an interesting question because I suppose um. I never had a day where I woke up and knew what I wanted to do I sort of um, I just loved sport um, I was an okay athlete um, but I was never going to you know set world record times or or, or represent the country at the Olympics so, so I sort of I just knew that I loved sport and I was pretty good at understanding the human body and um, I suppose I got to a point where um, I just knew I wanted to work with athletes somehow somewhere and um so I went to Australia, did my PhD in exercise physiology and, um, started working with some athletes over there and getting paid a little bit of money. And that was a good 20 odd years ago. Um, and, um, and then yeah, things just sort of evolved from there. I realized I didn't really just want to be teaching all the time and, um, and lecturing. So I decided I'd sort of, um, branch out into the sport that I grew up, grew up with as a kid. And, and that was rugby. So yeah, I've been in rugby for, for, 19 years and um you know when i started there weren't full-time jobs It was the athletes were Mm. semi-professional a lot of staff weren't um and so there weren't many jobs but over time every year there's more and more opportunities and there's there's more full-time roles available and so now we're at a place where you know people can decide they want to be a strength and conditioning coach in an elite sport or at a professional level because there's now jobs out there whereas it didn't used to be
0: that's right. That's right. And and what year did you sort of get get in get going uh, into into the workspace? Well, I started teaching in
1: about nineteen ninety nine. Started lecturing and um and then I, I volunteered to help with the rugby team, a provincial team in New Zealand in two thousand and then in two thousand and one I was getting paid to work with a rugby team, and every year I just got paid a bit more and got asked to do a few more hours a week and. Yeah. Uh, I, I became truly full-time rugby probably about two thousand and five.
0: Full-time rugby two thousand and six. Mm. Can I ask which province you started with, um, Nick?
1: Waikato. I was living in Hamilton.
0: Right. Yeah, and that's where yeah, it started. So Waikato, then I went to the Chiefs. Went to the Chiefs after that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the Chiefs was your was your first um, Super Rugby team. Yep. Rightio. Yeah. You know, um, as as I mentioned earlier, your resume is outstanding. You know, from two thousand and four, when you, you own this is your own personal resume in terms of your own athleticism. You did your first Ironman, and um, then of course you went on to some greater things with uh, at, at Rio, and then you've just recently published a a book, "Health Yourself." Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I've um, yeah, I put a book out uh, late last year, and um, more around health rather than um, performance. So um, just a little bit of a side passion I have is helping people get healthy so I sort of um yeah
0: it's probably just as rewarding if not more rewarding than helping athletes yeah we'll, we'll get to that later on in, in the podcast mate because that was an interesting topic up in Sydney about health profiles and that and that swimming coach from the US and how he said that um you know health markers were, were essential now for athletes but um what would you say would be your greatest sporting achievement you know personally well, me
1: personally, as in my own, my own sort of endeavors.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you, you've done, you've done, oh, uh, Iron Man. You've done a, you've done a swim, a two hour swim. I, I read there. That was amazing.
1: Yeah, no, I've, no, probably, probably, um, my Iron Man's I love. I, um, I do one a year. I come over to Aussie and do one, um, one a year. I'm doing Keynes this year. Um, and I, I suppose that' have been my, they've been my greatest my greatest achievements in, in my own eyes because every year I'm getting, I'm getting obviously older and in theory slower, but I keep going faster in Ironman. So I was sort of trying to defy the odds at the moment and try and be like a good red, try and be like a good red wine and just yeah. keep getting better with age is my sort of mantra at the moment. So that sounds, that yeah, last sounds
0: year's good. Ironman. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And and you're going to continue with that.
1: Yeah. I want to go to Kona one day uh, for the world champs in Hawaii. So, um, but I can't sort of do
0: that while I'm full time rugby, so I'll wait for my rugby to stop and then hopefully I can go to the world chance. Well, it takes a lot of mental steel um to to do an Iron Man, you know, and I think that's, you know, that's a reflection on what you've been doing with the with the All Blacks and all the other athletes you've been working with. Um, you know, you definitely walk the talk. Um, Nick, so let's let's cross over to strength and conditioning. Um, as I mentioned, because a lot of our listeners are are strength and conditioning coaches and, and, and personal trainers and and athletes, uh, the like. So, what would you say are some of your your key principles and, and philosophies when it comes to SNC? Like, do you have a the top three sort of principles that you work by, or top top ten? Well, oh, I think um, I
1: suppose like working with. I mean, I work with a, a team, so I've got a large group of people that I have to look after and and try and help achieve what they want to achieve and. I think the first thing is is trying to trying to have a relationship with with each person and trying to understand you know where they're at and where they want to go and you know their not their triggers but but how to how to help them um, you know everyone every athlete's different every every person's different so I think understanding the person is really really important um, you know and then you know what you're forming is typically you're forming a, you're trying to form a collaboration where I suppose you. You know, I've got my thoughts and ideas about what I want you to do, but but you know, I'm not in your body, so mm. so so I need to be able to communicate with the athlete to sort of understand, you know, what what he or she is thinking as well, um, you know, and I, I, so I think there is an element of, of of collaboration, and then and then the third thing is just that, you know, every individual, their injury history, their performance profile, their strengths, their weaknesses, um, all those things are vital to put together physical performance plan so you know, understand the athlete form a collaborative relationship if, if possible um, and then treat every individual like uh, they are indeed you know n
0: equals one right got it excellent thank you you mentioned that up at the seminar as well um, now you you talk a bit about um the blueprint uh, in snc now you know, my being a SNC coach myself, I definitely run with a blueprint, um, and then of course I tailor it, as you said, uh, to the athlete. And um, you know, you you go on to say that and, and how you sort of familiarize familiarize yourself with repetition, and repetition produces intensity, and then intensity then will, will bring results. Could you explain that 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 uh, that that phrase a little bit more uh, when you talk about familiarity, repetition, and that and that produces. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, I suppose it's, um, I suppose it's like, uh, um, a, a good, a good example could be that, you know, we have an athlete that we're trying to improve their running ability. Um, and let's say we're trying to improve two kilometer time trial time. Um, you know, th- there's a skill in learning how to run fast for two minutes. You know, it's called pacing and it's called, um, it's called familiarity of, of, of when to go hard or when to save. How much for the for the strong finish home? Um, you know, if you were trying to get someone to run two k faster, and you kept every week changing what that athlete was doing, then you know that 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 lack of awareness of of what's required and how hard they can push, um, won't be there um, or winter push. And so, I suppose um, you know, my thoughts there are, is really it's a matter of well, um, if you want to get good at squatting, you squat. You want to get good at bench press and your bench press. Um, you want to get good at running fast. You have to run fast. Now that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, one week put it, put it to a 45 degree incline and another week put your heels under, under plates and another week go to front squat, you know, because you get no chance to actually ingrain the motor pattern and get good at the movement. And mm. so it's really about, that's, that's really the concept. I'm not saying you don't change exercise selection or, or your big rocks, but um, too many people change them too often in my opinion um, and and so you lose a week or two of of progress um, or po- possible progress now obviously you know there are a few exceptions to this rule. you know if you've got young athletes they will improve in anything and you want to throw everything at them so they can experience different movement planes and things like that but but if you're trying to maintain some levels of strength and power because you're trying to become a better rugby player um and you don't need to be chasing um, huge shifts every week and 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 strength and power. Um, you know, being really good at, at creating strength through the hips and power through triple extension
0: is, is all you need to be able to do. Mm. And then it's a matter of applying it on the field. That's right. Yeah. And, and also with juniors, um, as you mentioned earlier, the modern patterns are, are very different from each for for them all. And so, you know, that whole, the rep, put them through repetition, repetition, repetition is 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 also very important. Um, yeah, and I, and I think it's, and
1: it's not just about it bringing intensity, but um, you know, it actually is way safer. Mm. You know, and 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 when we talk about the health and health of an athlete, you know, you can't you can't be a better rugby player or a better rugby league player, or a better AFL player if you're always injured and can no longer practice your skill out on the park. So, mm. so you know, the, the gym has to be or strength and conditioning needs to be part of the performance. Program and that you're not trying to just get numbers in the gym. Mm. You're trying to get athletes that can play their play their role in the game um, to the highest ability um, and with the most skill. Um, And you can't achieve that if you're always hurt because you keep changing loading patterns in the gym.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit like you know when when you're you know you you give your, your athlete a new exercise and. You know, you just got to be very mindful whether or not that, that they can adjust to that motor pattern, or or they can get underneath that, you know, that bar the way you want them to, without putting any sort of um duress on them. And I, I fully understand what you mean there, Nick. Yeah, um, I like that yeah, uh, no, that's right. I like your quote you you said up there in um, Sydney about it. it's not how much you do, but how well you do it. And you know, um, you know, you refer back to the the whole squat movement or, or just a big your big rocks and, and 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 again you know i have a lot of athletes that um that try to hit pbs and you know they i get the norms uh, you know I, I look up all the norms that are required for for the junior um you know wallaby teams or or, or the women's wallaby uh, women's team etc and so you know they they look at these norms and they they sort of feel that they need to hit these numbers um but you know you, you know you, as you said with your quote it's not how much you do it's, it's how well you do it isn't it
1: yeah, and and I, I, you know, you need to be careful with norms because I think norms are really misleading. Um, mm. Because you you can have a you can have a um, you can have a prop um, who is technically very very good, um, great at uh, you know his role on the field, um, and hey, he's a bit smaller than the average prop and he's not quite as strong as the average prop. Yeah. Um, whereas you could have you could have another prop that's that's bigger and stronger, but can't actually do his role. Mm. And so you know, if, if people are chasing numbers, you you end up putting creating a risk of people getting hurt. Um, and chasing a number, it could be totally irrelevant for to them and where they're at. Um, you know, so I think looking at individuals and where they've come from and where they're trying to get to is really really important. And you know, each each person is on their own their own sort of um, continuum, so to speak. And and hey you, you can push really hard to try and squat the same amount as the person next to you um but you don't want to do that at the at the expense of hurting your back
0: that's right um you know versus you know let's just stay healthy let's
1: lift let's get strong let's stay strong and let's get better at scrummaging
0: 100 percent. all right we're just, just going to switch over to um having a chat about the fatigue fatigue levels you know that that there seems to be a lot of um uh, Research around around fatigue, um, you know, and they they say that the All Blacks, you know, almost are, are playing without fatigue, you know, especially in in the last ten minutes. How do you how do you manage these these loads these fatigue loads, um, not just with an individual, but as as a collective? More importantly,
1: yeah, um, interesting question. Um, you know, um, it's what would I say? Um, Fatigue is very real in all rugby teams. You know, we, we, we get tired. Um, you know, travel wrecks us. Um, 80 minutes of rugby for any player is exhausting at test match level. Um, and, and so really it's a matter of making sure that, you know, that the training, the training, I suppose, uh, balance, the, the, the balance between training stress and recovery, um, is really, really important.
0: Right.
1: Uh, you know, it's it's really easy to train really really hard and be tired for the weekend. Um, it's just it's just as easy to not do enough training and not have enough fuel in the tank for the weekend because you're not fit enough. So, yeah, so the balance is, is quite quite tricky, especially across 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 a squad because you know some guys in a squad are, uh, can play eighty minutes week to week to week to week, and, and other guys can't. Um, you know, and so so it's really a matter of just balancing. How individuals respond to a, to a game or their game load, um, how fit they are at the start of a campaign towards maybe compared to how they were last year and how they tolerated things. So again, it's a bit of a balancing act and, and a little bit of fear bit of art in there versus just science and, and it comes down to the individual. You know, you can't, we don't treat our whole team the same across any session. So everyone in our sessions is doing slightly different things at different times for different durations based on need.
0: Yeah. You mentioned up in Sydney about you know how some players you know might be new dads and so that you know they're going to get bugger all sleep, um, or some of the young ones you know will go all out and, and and burn themselves out. So again, how do you sort of monitor the individual loads? I mean, do do they take DPS home with them, or do you just do health profile checks on on a daily basis, um, or is this conversations? Uh, yeah, conversations is a pretty good place to start, mate. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. Uh, yeah you know, there's another one of you know you've gotta you gotta use your eyes and and look at how athletes present themselves, whether that's on the training park or in the gym or at breakfast yeah um you know you gotta
1: you' gotta be listening to conversations that have been had around you um you know we collect a lot of data, so we sort of put all that into the big mixing pot and um out of that have some discussions you know and that, yeah.
0: that's really the key thing that's it yeah i mean you you mentioned about body language um you know how they're looking and how they're feeling. And that's that's definitely apparent, you know. At at my studio, when an athlete walks through the door, and um, you know, they got their head down or they're um, they don't have that usual smile. There's there's something going on. So the conversations I, I had, and um, you know, between my, my wife and I, and it and it's and it's you know, we 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 obviously dig a lot deeper than say a, a GPS unit would. Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that, and that's where and that's where numbers are, can be
1: dangerous in some people's hands. So you sort of gotta. You know, treat numbers as much as um, the subjective ratings that the individual is telling you about.
0: That's it. Yeah. All right. Um, next question, mate. Um, what are the sort of specific traits you look for uh, in an athlete? You know, whether it's physical or otherwise, and have you noticed uh, if that plays a role in in their success?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm 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 in a very privileged position because I work with the best rugby players in the country and. Um, and, by, you know, when, when they come into our group, they're highly motivated. Um, they're highly professional most of the time. Um, and, you know, the, the power of the team and, and the, I suppose the legacy that the team's created is sort of keeps things quite easy for me to, I suppose, um, move forward. You know the team keeps moving forward with what we do and how we do it, and Mm. and and we don't lack motivation. And and I suppose it's um it's one of those things where in terms of traits, you know, the traits that are are really clear in terms of those that are hugely successful are players that that work really hard and and really know the game. You know, really understand the game. So so you know we talk about students of the game. You know, if, if, the best, the best rugby players aren't necessarily the strongest, aren't necessarily the fittest, aren't necessarily the fastest, those things help and across all the positions within the game. But, you know, being smart, um, at understanding, um, your role in the team, team's plan and, 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 and where the gaps are in the opposition's plan and, and, and being a bit of a thinker, um, mm. are probably the
0: things that stand out for me when I, when I think about all the good players that I work with, it's the ones that really, you know, think a lot about the game and, and, how, and how to do it better. Right. So they, they're sort of studying it a bit more, and or they're maybe going through video analysis a bit longer, or they're, um, they just got, got announced for it, haven't they? Yeah.
1: Again, it's not about how much time you sit analyzing the footage either, is it? You know, like yeah. you can, you can sit there for hours and hours and hours and still not get it, or still not be able to change what you do in the middle of a game Mm. and so you know yeah i'm very much talking about those those smart athletes that that really know the game inside and out
0: and during the game can make changes yeah right oh that's great um okay so this this, when i when i said to my my um colleagues and that i was going to be doing a a podcast with you a a lot of my australian friends are straight away they they said oh you you've got to ask them this question you know what what's what's one trait that the all blacks have that uh, no other team in the world does and you have been in the belly for the last 11 years um nick um and me being, being being a kiwi i pretty much know what um you know how how the legacy works but what's one trait you can share that uh, the all blacks have that um uh, every other team has that that sort of lacks oh
1: look i think i mean and I don't know this because obviously I don't get to see what goes on in other international teams, but what I'd assume that all the international teams, you know, uh, have great people involved, um, work really hard, really thorough, um, have great athletes, have great rugby players. Um, but the, the only difference being, I think, is probably the history of the group. Um, you know, the history of the All Blacks is pretty, it's pretty sensational and, and no other team has got a history like ours. Um, and, you know, I doubt if there will ever be a rugby team that has a history like ours in terms of, you know, long-term success. Mm. And I'm not talking, I'm not talking the last 10 years. I'm talking, you know, the last 100 years. Um, you know, the, the All Blacks have, I think, on average, lost one out of four games in the last 100 years. Wow. Um, you know, and, and so a seventy five or seventy seven percent success rate or something in the history of the of the team is pretty phenomenal. Um, especially when we play away from home more often than we play at home. Mm. Um, so that's probably one thing that really is a is a is a difference. Um, you know, because you people could people would say, Oh, but you know, Kiwis grow up on rugby from, you know, the age of five, or well, so do the Welsh, you know. Mm. The Welsh do as well. Um you know, so there are so there are other teams that have similar
0: you know there's a similar place of rugby in their community, like New Zealand, but that's probably the big difference. Right, that's a great answer. That it's there's de- there's definitely a legacy, isn't it? That um, you know, I remember growing up in in Auckland, wanting to be put that jersey on. Um, what does the what does the future of strength and conditioning look like uh, with the, with your experience of travelling the world?
1: Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know like oh, I don't think things have changed too much in the last um, I don't know ten or fifteen years um, in terms of the fact that you know if you've got a full- time role with a professional team you know what's expected of you hasn't really changed um, there's obviously a bit more technology and a bit more information available now with with sports fights and things. Um, and I, so I suppose how things will evolve and, and going forward will be there'll just be even more information available, um, but it will still come down to understanding the individual and being able to use the you know what you're seeing, what you're hearing, and what what you're discussing in line with what the data is suggesting um, mm. to make some decisions. So, so I think the biggest thing is you know like um well a, a scary a scary thing that I am observing you know around the traps at the moment is probably. Because there's so much information available, um, people are collecting a lot of data, but not really using it, and and spending energy and time on collecting information, and that's taken away from coaching. Um, So, so I think there will be a period where, you know, data we'll learn how to use data better, but people will also realise they actually have to coach.
0: Mm. Um,
1: And and I think that's something that is, is starting to be lacking in a number of a number of clubs
0: and teams yes i agree and, and i like the way you, you you talked about you know just going back to basics you know you you don't have the luxury as you mentioned in, in your in your budget for all the fancy equipment and gear and um and, and when you're traveling you know you you've got to to think on your feet um with 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 what you have in front of you but then you always pull it back to basics and you know you, 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 like you said you know in the last 10 years 15 years and not much has changed i I think things just come around back into fashion like you know um, I see water bags are back in fashion now after um, after been away for eight eight years. But you know the the basics are are better, aren't they? What are, what
1: water bags? What are you talking
0: about? <laughs> the water bags, you know, the, the ones that you fill up with water and you and you you do robust running with.
1: Uh, we don't use that stuff, but that's
0: okay. Um, <laughs> exactly. Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> I got distracted. No, you. Um, you know, back up in Sydney, you were talking about going back to basics and, and um, you know, and 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 doing your your basic lifts and getting it right first time and, and working with with the equipment that you have in front of you rather than going for the fancy shiny toys. Oh, well, big time! I mean,
1: and that's a, that's a joy of working with the team I work with is that we we use commercial gyms a lot of the time where we don't have all the bells and whistles and all the toys. Um, mm. You know, we we've got to keep our program, you know, pretty basic and, and pretty flexible to be able to adapt and adjust based on what what facilities we have access to, and and that's a challenge, obviously, but it's one that probably keeps us um, focused on what really matters. Um, you know, because. You know, water full bags for running. I mean, does that really matter? Is it really going to make you a
0: better rugby player? Exactly. And, yeah. and or, or, or is it going to create risk and, and calf tightness and
1: hamstring load? Yeah. Um, because you don't run with a water bag on your back in a rugby game. So you sort of got to you sort of got to just just keep asking those questions. As um, you know, complexity um, and anything we do can just can just dull the benefit or response we might get. Um, as opposed to just doing something really simple, really, really well, you know, every day, um, you know, and it's and it's and it's an interesting thing. I, I mean, I remember a while ago we used to measure urine specific gravity to look at hydration. You know, and it sort of this just cracks me out when I think, when I look back on what we used to do. But we used to get
0: guys hydrated because I knew they were getting their, their wee tested. Mm. But then everyone, everyone's up all night, five times a week, going for a, five times a day, going for a wee in the middle of the night. So yeah. you're hydrated, but now you're but now you're not sleeping. <laughs> you know? so,
1: yeah. so so we you know we, we're using sports science and and data to try and to try and get people to drink a bit more water, but then we're compromising sleep and recovery. So yeah. um, you know, and then there's there's hundreds
0: of examples like that across sports science and S and C where people just get a bit too fancy, you know. Yeah, no, I get it, mate. I get. It. I see a lot of it Shit, I, I, sound, I sound like I'm a, I sound like I'm an old wise man, bloody
1: <laughs> preaching, but I'm, I'm not. I'm just. i just. Selling my land and time. That's
0: for sure. Well, no, no, I, I get that completely. Cool. Um, right, so we're almost there, Nick. Um, a couple more questions, mate. What, what's this, What's the best advice you can give a, a young up and coming strength and conditioning coach? Uh, bearing in mind, you know, the, the market is fairly saturated here in Australia. Um, what what sort of advice would you give them? um i think um i
1: there's a few things um the first one is you gotta know your stuff right so regardless of regardless of anything you' gotta know your stuff you gotta you gotta know how how to get someone strong fast fit uh how to rehabilitate an injury how to prevent injury how to put it all together to, to into a, into a week or into a month you know taking into account all the other things like travel and recovery and team training and work and family life so, so you've got to sort of know all the details around the specific parts of of performance and then you've got to be able to put it together so that's the first thing know your stuff uh, second thing is probably um, you know go out there and, and get some experience and, and too many young people want to be paid for a role or want to get into a role straight away they've got a degree you know, why can't I get a job but you need to get some experience and, and you won't get a job unless you've got experience. Um, and sometimes it's really hard to get experience because you have none. Um, you know, so, so it's really a matter of, of, of just continuing to ask people and teams, um, to, to shadow them, to have a cup of coffee, to, hey, I'll, we, I'll come and clean your water bottles or, or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. and just having an open mind to try and get a foot in the door to get some experience. Um, and then the last thing is, Um, you need to basically form a, I don't know, a a collection of people that you respect, that know you, um, that have given you some guidance, maybe mentor you, um, are in significant roles and and significant organisations so that, you know, when when you've impressed them with your knowledge and when you've impressed them with your attitude towards working hard and doing the basics well, and a job pops up, your name comes to the front of the list. You know, and, mm. and all too often, you know, I see uh, CVs come across my desk, people applying for jobs and, and, and no matter what, no matter what, you always will, will sort of,
0: n- n- sort of migrate towards people you know are really good. Yeah. Versus a
1: CV that just looks good on paper.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and, and so you might have a CV on paper that looks really good, but, um, you know, I haven't heard anything about you. You know, you're overseas. Um, you know, so you might get an interview, but you might be on the back foot straight away because mm. I know this other person who's who's done some stuff with me, and you're better the devil you know than the devil you don't. You know, so yeah. so I think you just got to you've got to get your name out there and your face out there, and and, and form relationships with lots of people. Um, you know, and, it, and that's really easy for me to say because I've got a job. But um, but I think that when I've seen lots of young people. Try to get positions. You know the ones that end up in good gigs um, have put themselves out there quite a bit. You know, and um, they got the knowledge, but everyone's got the knowledge. You
0: know, let's yeah. assume everyone's got the knowledge. So, so the difference is as you as the person and how you relate to people, mm. and and that's really important. Oh, I like that first one, mate. About um, you know, you, you, it's it's looking for for a, for a mentor or someone with that with a. Um, you know, with a a ranking that um is in is in your code in your sport that you can really sort of um uh, lean towards and, and and you can just pick up a phone you know and, and ask these people you know um to to get some help and support and and and, and yeah and go in there and, and help them out for for free or whatever whatever sport and code yeah. they're with. Yeah, and, and and often
1: like like people come, people want to come and help me with the All Blacks all the time, and I don't let them mm. uh, because I, I, it's too important for me to have someone I don't know helping me. Mm. Um, but I don't mind having coffees with people, yeah, you know, sure. and or letting people come and watch a session and and then having a coffee or whatever. So so you know, there's everyone everyone will have different sort of boundaries, I suppose, and you know, but you do remember the people that were really proactive and were really polite and and actually had good communication skills because, like I said, the, a key part of coaching is actually relationships yeah. and yeah. communication with the yeah. athlete
0: yeah. So yeah. if you can't do that with
1: with other s and C coaches, you're, you're pushing shit
0: uphill. Yeah, good, great advice. Thank you, Nick. All right, mate. Um, last question. What's what's next for uh, for Nick Gilmato We, we uh, we're going into the. Avocado import export business or kiwi fruit business. What's 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 happening with you in the future? oh obviously got the World Cup this year, mate,
1: and um and yeah, it's our our main focus right now, right here, right now is is that um you know it's a pinnacle event for us over the four year cycle. So um oh look, I just wanna I just wanna work my hardest and do my best to put the team in a good spot to be able to do What they do, and,
0: and once that happens, then yeah, I don't know, mate. I don't know what's what's going to happen. I, I mean, it, it probably depends a little bit on how well we go or how well we don't go, but um, I love what I do and I want to keep doing it for a wee, wee, wee bit longer, so um, yeah, we'll wait and see. All right, I mean, that um, that but that avocado farm sounds pretty good to me, even in, in later on down the track. Oh, no, I've got an orchard, I've got a hundred big trees, so I, yeah. I grow, I grow about I don't know. 40
1: or 50,000 Avos a year, and yeah, oh. we actually send heaps of them to Aussie.
0: Actually, you guys buy a heap of my Avos. Oh, yeah, I love, um, love avocados, love them. Yeah, yeah, no, you guys buy a few, few, but um, you're not paying much money for them at the moment, which sucks. But anyway, <laughs> okay. maybe, maybe next year, I'll see what I can do <laughs> for you here. I'll see if I can f- phone somebody up for you. Um, look, really appreciate your time and any predictions for the World Cup, mate.
1: Oh, look, it's hard, it's It's a hard one. It's, um, World Cups are really tough. You know, that'd be my third one. And, and what I do know is that, you know, teams go over with tags of favouritism and stuff, but, you know, injuries are horrific. Um, you know, most teams lose two players a game. So uh, the World Cup's very much a test of your depth. Um, you know, you need to get to the, get to the last game or two with as healthy a squad as you can. Um, I mean, my first World Cup we went through five first five eights and my second world cup we went through like nine props um you know so so i think that that, that's bound to continue the game's more physical than it's ever been yeah so um there's probably there's probably six teams that could win it um
0: you know Wallabies, south africa All blacks Ireland, england wales um you know so it's going to be a hell of a tournament can't wait oh well go go well mate and um you know, all the best to you and the boys. And um, there, there'll be a lot of us in Melbourne here cheering for you. Um, thank you so much again for your time, Nick. I really, really appreciate it. A lot of uh and coaches in, in, in Melbourne here will, will be sort of um, going out and, and, and trying to, to do their best and, and, and follow your footsteps nonetheless. But um, thank you so much again, Nick. I really appreciate it. And, and go well, man. No problem. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much.